Welcome everyone to another episode of High and Wide Radio. I'm your host, Angry Jim, here with my co-hosts, as always, Jack Smith and Kyle Warner. We have a special, special guest tonight, former NHL linesman Scott Adams is on the line. Scott, how are you tonight? Thanks for joining us. Good, good. How are you guys doing? Doing great, doing great. It's a real treat to have you on. First NHL linesman we've ever had on the show. So that's that's pretty cool. We're excited to ask you some questions. Um, we'll get started. I mean, you're from the area, which I didn't know until tonight. That's pretty awesome. You grew up around uh, Pennsylvania, Philadelphia area? Yeah, Bucks County. Uh, grew up in Levittown, raised my kids in Newtown, and uh, yeah, just a little bit north of Philadelphia my whole life. That's awesome. So homegrown talent. Um, yep. When when did you, at what age did you get into hockey and 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 when did you first think about becoming a referee? I got into hockey. I started like liking it probably around junior, uh, like junior high school, like in that area there, and maybe a little bit before that. I used to skate the local lakes and things like that, and my dad's figure skates and. Um, just started that way. We used to walk down the end of the street and like dig out a pond. And in the summertime, we used to cut it. And hopefully in the wintertime, it would fill up. And we did. And we used to go down there and build fires and skate. And it was things that nobody else in our area did, just me and a couple friends, you know, that couldn't figure out why we're so into hockey and everybody else was into, you know, football, baseball, and everything else. And I played all the all sports, but um, for whatever reason, the outdoor lakes, the uh, just the, the skating in the wind and all that stuff really just got to me, and it's 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 uh, just love it. I, Scott, if I could ask you, and I don't mean to, to date you here or anything, but was this before the Flyers, or was this during when the Flyers first came about? No, the Flyers were '67. I'm 60 years old. I was born in '58, so. Yeah, Flyers were around, that's for sure, but it was a little after, you know, I was probably 14, 13, somewhere in that area where I really kind of got into it. I listened to it on the radio, and it's, it's and what I remember is when I was a little, kind of little before I got into hockey, I used to sit in my room and make models, and, and I was going through the radio stations, and believe it or not, I, I hear... Uh, I used to, for whatever reason, I used to get the St. Louis Blues broadcast, and I used to get the Boston Bruins broadcast, and somehow I'd get some Montreal games in French on my radio, and I didn't know what was going on. I would literally just listen to hockey and not really ever really see it. And then, um, you know, kind of fell in love with this, the action, the way the guys announced the games and stuff like that, and then I started looking to, into it and, you know, going to local hockey rinks like Bristol, PA, uh, Grund the old Grundies, and uh, just would start going to public sessions and things like that. And, um, you know, got on my high school team and played that. And I wasn't very, you know, I can't say I wasn't very good, but I was more of a grunt, more of a big defensive guy because I'm pretty tall, pretty big guy, and just you know, like the rough part of the game. And did back then there was obviously a lot of fighting. So we did a lot of that. And, uh, which I think really actually helped me in my linesman days because you kind of learn what to look for. You know, who's on the ice, every line change and things like that. So, and one thing I want to correct you about, 
um, in the beginning, like I was an American Hockey League linesman. Now I did I did work for the National Hockey League for 25 years in an off ice capacity, and I did line NHL games during the strike. Um, but as such as a full time linesman, I was not. Just going to make sure of that. Okay, so for the AHL. Uh, yeah, the AHL was in my mind, and probably a lot of guys' minds, harder to line or ref than the National League. And I think that's probably true in a lot of sports. Um, I think you get a lot of guys that will do almost anything to get to the show. And the unexpected happens there where when you're up top, you can't do the unexpected. You know, the coaches don't deal with it. The owners don't deal with it. The league won't deal with it. Uh, the referees won't deal with it. Things they got away with down in the um, American League, they can never get away with in the National League. Um, it's a great proving ground. It's a great league, and it's uh, very physical. And um, and we, we basically, the NHL would send all their, most of their, they did. I don't believe it's the case now. Most of their NHL uh, referees uh, would get, you know, they would sign their contracts and they'd be, you know, in the American League most of the time. Uh, some of them would get 40-40 deals where they would do 40 games in the American League, 40 games in the National League. Uh, usually before January, they would be kind of done because once the games start to get a little bit more meaningful, you may not want a first-year guy doing a game that means, you know, a couple, couple points. So, but... The American League really um, is a training ground, and I don't think they're doing. I mean, they're using those guys now, but they're going about it a little bit differently. Um, what the league's doing now, from what I understand, is they're actually getting a lot of players that were minor league guys that just aren't going to make it. And you know, they say they're you know young and they're 22, 23 years old, and they realize that hey, you know, I'm going to stay in the East Coast League or something like that, and they turn around and fast track them to the National League. Um, well, before, like a guy like myself, for example, would start refereeing little kids. You know, I mean, we're talking, you know, five-year-olds, six-year-olds, and work your way up to, you know, peewees and midgets and then junior and then college. Like, you'll work your way up, and then after all these years, you're finally, you know, getting looked at and things like that. It's, I can't say that's the case now, which is really, in my mind, um, really unfair, I think. There's guys out there that are putting time in and that are qualified to do the job. And uh, usually in any sport and any, any kid, uh, if you're good enough, they'll find you. And, but for some reason, I think the league is going a little bit different route. And uh, I even talked about my son-in-law who plays professional hockey in Germany. Um, you should think about it, you know, but he's getting up. He's 28 and uh, he's been very smart, got a very smart guy and the perfect referee. He would be the perfect referee. Um, the skills are there, but he's you know pushing the age. So it's a, uh, it's a, a good the way they used to do it is the way I believe they should do it is start young, commit yourself, and then you know work your way into it. 
So. Scott, if I, if I can ask you, you mentioned your son-in-law would be the perfect referee. What exactly does it entail to be a, a perfect referee? What, what kind of characteristics do you look for in a perfect ref? Um, demeanor, uh, how they talk to the players, how they talk to the coaches. If you bark at a coach skating by, you know, you're going to get barked back and you deserve everything you get. If you, you sit there and talk to the guys like Wes McCauley does or Dan O'Rourke or K Kelly Sutherland, if you listen to them like mic'd up or their conversations, they are, they know that they're not the show, even though some of those guys are a little showy, mm -hmm. um, uh, especially Wes, Wes, if you ever hear this, um, but, <laughs> but, he, but he is, he is still like the, the man, he is, he is the, the, the top five referee, I'll say. Um, it's, it's just how they treat the players and how they talk to the players how they explain themselves, even though they don't necessarily have to, you know, but they will take the time, if it's not going to hold up the game, to explain what they saw and how they did it. And uh, I think the better referees realize that people are there to see the players and not the referees, and good referees will, you know, keep the game going and be respectful to everybody else out there. I've seen some young guys come in the league that were absolutely thought everybody was there to see them. And they were in and out in a couple of years. And even though they were like, uh, had, all, had everything else, they could call the game. They'd call the right penalties. They have this and that, but their pregame workouts weren't right. Their uh, off game you know, it's a career. It's not a you know a night out with the boys. We'll say. That's so, interesting. You mentioned you mentioned before game workouts. What kind of uh, workout does a, a a linesman or a referee do before game? Well, I mean, like any professional athlete, you're there hours before the game, mm -hmm. um, and you know you're you have to get your thoughts together. Especially a referee, you know. And I was a linesman, but I mean, just as a linesman. I mean, when I first thing I go get in the building, I was always early. I'm early for everything, you know what I mean. So if the game's at seven, I'm there at four thirty or five o'clock, and I'll, I'll literally get there and walk around the building. The concourse is what I used to do, just kind of loosen your legs up because a lot of times you're driving and stuff like that. So you just stroll around, get a feel for the build for the building and everything like that, and then you know work your way down to the locker room, and then you make sure you're you're Obviously, make sure all your equipment's there, your skates are sharp, laces white, not yellow, um, and you look like a referee. You know, part of any job is selling yourself. Um, even if you make a wrong call and you sell it the right way, you can get away with it. You know, like like you can miss something, but look good, look good doing it, and nobody will ever see it. You know, <laughs> so well these days, I guess all the replays they probably call it, catch it. Ah, uh, yeah, we're gonna get into that. Don't worry. <laughs> Yeah, um, but um, so we you know get there and a lot of guys would ride a bike, a lot of guys would jump rope, um, a lot of guys would just run. Um, I myself would do a, a lot of. I'm a sprinting kind of guy. I do a little like thirty, forty yard sprints, um, and just loosen up things like that. And then okay. you, you get in the locker room and just talk to the boys and uh, you know just 
make sure you're, everybody's aware of everything. And if there's any situa- situations that happened before uh, you talk about them, keep an eye out for specific players may have issues with each other and um, things like that. But like, you want to get there a couple hours there and just kind of get in a routine. You don't want to show up one night two hours before, the next night one hour before, and then the next night, you know, an hour and a half. You're, in my mind, you really should uh, have a routine and stick to it. Okay. I mean, it makes sense that, you know, that to go into a, a game with the same kind of mindset every time, it comes, like you said, it becomes a routine. I just, I never even thought about that, to tell you the truth. That, that was really interesting to me. Um, you mentioned earlier, uh, you know, the AHL was more, you can get away with more. Um, there was tougher guys. Everybody's doing whatever they can to make the league. We've recently had guys like Frank Bialois and, and Riley Cote on the show. Uh, Riley Cote actually said he used to, they used to call it the jungle, the AHL. Uh, yeah. and, and then obviously everybody knows Frank the Animal. Um, did, you, did you guys ever go into games thinking, holy shit, like this is going to be out of hand tonight? You know, it's up to us to make sure it, it kind of doesn't, you know? Um, some nights, boys will be boys, and there's nothing you can do. Mm-hmm. doesn't matter how you call the game. doesn't matter. It's just the way it's going to be. I mean, if, if, if it's early season and uh, it's a long season, um, you can expect it. That's all there is to it. It's just going to be there. Um, as the season goes on, games become more important, and coaches you know, will give guys less rope and – you know, it just doesn't happen when you get into the, you know, towards the playoffs. But early in the year in the American League, October, oh boy, yeah, I mean, it was it was nasty. But because you have guys there that probably in a month from then are going to be either down to the East Coast League or, you know, a couple guys get pulled up top. Um then, then you get your injuries from the NHL, some guys coming down. So there's a lot of movement in the American League, you know, because there's – I mean, you're a feeder to the best league in the world. So if somebody gets injured up there and they got to rehab, that's where they're going to go. Um, but they're also protected down there too because if, let's say, there's a guy that's a National League guy and he's down there, you know, trying to get his legs and somebody takes some liberties with that guy, uh, in the American League you're going to get – you're going to pay the price. I can tell you that. What was there ever? I mean, who was the guy? Like when 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 you were getting ready for a game, who sticks out in your mind as that guy that you had to watch out for? That he was, you knew he was going to do something stupid, or he, he had that reputation. Um, who, who sticks out in your mind? If you if you have a couple players, that's even better. Well, Carcillo was always when he was with Wilkesbury. He was a little bit. And I love the guy. I mean, I love the guy, but he was the guy that, you know, he really was crossed that line. But to be honest with you, they're the guys I liked. You know, you talk about Riley Cote and, you know, you know Frank Bialois. I've always been a champion of the, of the tough guys. I'm, I'm, I love them. I, and the best, probably the, some of the better guys I've met, the most respectful guys I've met in the league are the tough guys. Isn't that interesting? Uh, like, like Todd Fedorik and um, like they, they're like the nicest guys in the world. And, and funny Thornton on on the Bruins was probably one of the nicest guys I've ever met 
on or off the ice. He's unbelievable. If you talk to any linesman, a referee, or anybody that, that was in the league for 25 years, that guy I think Thornton is probably, you know, in my mind, one of the nicest guys I've ever met. And, you know, you get him on the ice, but it's he has a job to do, just like Riley Cote, like Frank Bialois. All these guys have a job. It's their job. And I've seen... Um, Here's a good example. Fedork gets in a fight. This is when I'm an off-ice official. Okay, I worked off-ice for, uh, in Philadelphia in the penalty box for um, 25, almost 25 years while I was doing everything else. So Todd Fedork gets in a fight with uh, Ty Domi. And they come in the penalty box. And the first thing Fedork does, you guys have to guess what he, what he says. Idea. He thanked him. Oh. He thanked him for the opportunity to fight him. And the first thing Domi said was, "Hey, no problem. You know, you know, keep it. You know, watch." He said, well, "I think he said, watch your hand, or you know, keep your hand up, or something. You're going to get hurt, or something in this league." Or, but he thanked him and appreciated it. And uh, that's the way those guys are. You know, I watched two guys. One was in Washington. One was in Philadelphia. It's a pre. It was a. Um, NHL preseason game that we refereed. It was like a rookie game, like in Voorhees or something like that. And a lot of us would referee those games. And two guys get in a fight, and it was nasty, blood everywhere, everything like that. And I get in the penalty box, and we're listening to them talk, and they're talking like, "Hey, I called you last week to go to the lake. Where were you? <laughs> oh no, but my wife was with your wife. Oh yeah, like like this is what they do. <laughs> but that's what." They do, you know, and but there's a lot of respect for those guys, and um, they're the guys I I lean towards. You know, I like my hockey players. It doesn't matter who they are, but I always liked um, the the tough guys, like the way they they were pretty respectful. There was, of course, there was a handful that were were dummies, but they're everywhere. Go ahead, Jack. Scott, thanks again for coming on. Um, I just wanted to ask you, you had brought up um, some of these tougher guys, and with it being a jungle in the AHL, um, did you, I'm sure you broke, broke up tons of fights. Um, did you ever catch some friendly fire in doing so? Uh, yeah, I, everybody has. Um, I can't say... I'm not even going to say who specifically got me, but I know um, a couple guys. I know I got one in the NHL pretty good, and I know that I, I really don't want to get into names because a good friend of mine, but he, <laughs> it was Flyers against Hartford, and uh, yeah, it was, it was. Give the name, come uh, on, I Scott. Got, I know you want to. <laughs> I got one. I got one good. <laughs> it was good, but other than that, no, not really. Now, if you guys are sitting there on your your phones and you want to see. Where I got a little cut, you can look at um, look at Neil Little, the flying goalie. Look at that. <laughs> look at that right now. <laughs> I was at the game. You were at that game. Yep. Yeah, I, I lined that game with uh, that. That is, yeah, I have a big poster, actually a big picture of that big pile, and it's up in my one my room here. And there's a, I have a big three by four picture and the very, very bottom of the pile. And there's like literally 
I don't know how many guys are talking to me, two goalies plus all the players, and he see me in the very, very bottom. And Neil Little signed it and sent it to me. He says, Scott, why are you turtling? <laughs> and I'm on the bottom trying to cover up somebody thinking, because I thought the guy was hurt, you know, so you're, you're worried about the guys that are hurt. Next thing you know, I look up and I see Litz coming down the ice and I said, hold on. And I hear like, and you know, and here, yeah, it's, it's really, that was, you know, usually when you, when you, when you have multiple fights, the, the perfect, the perfect world is you get the main combatants, you stick with them until they're off the ice. You know, it doesn't matter what the hell else is going on, because as soon as you let that them go to go to somebody else, then you have that. You know, like a, those two guys are back at it or whatever. So the whole idea is start eliminating guys on the ice. So if it's five on five, you want to make it four on four, and then get you know get them off as quick as you can, and then come back and then. But that situation there, I I, I every once in a while I'll look at that video and see. And, the, and matter of fact, the referee did that game right now. He just did the NHL Finals, the guy who did that game. Um, they, I look at that, and I'm trying to think, you know, what you could do different? Because I see Vandermeer sitting on top of... Uh, Brian McGratton. McGratton. And, like, he's... He dropped him. Yeah. And, <laughs> I'll but never it, forget it. But it was, you know, the whole thing is, I don't think I've met anybody... And, and as strong as Frank Bialos was, McGratton was... For whatever reason, I could never wrap him up, and he's a monster. Yeah, he was, he was so strong, and so I, the only Vandermeer was just doing that because he, I think he knew if McGratton got up, he's going to beat the crap out of him. Like, like he's he is that strong, and uh, you know, I'm I'm six four. Then I was probably two twenty, and I remember just breaking up and I can do pretty good breaking up fights and these guys are pretty respectful. You get in there, they usually stop. Sometimes in American League, you know, you get a little couple extras in but man, McGratton was just one guy for whatever reason I you just couldn't he was just a bull. Oh my God. Wow. Well we just had Frank Bylos on so he mentioned that he did catch a ref by accident. So I figured I'd ask just what are the odds? But it sounds like you had your fair share uh, yeah. from a different phantom. Yeah, there was. Yeah, I've I've gotten a few. I think everybody, if you're in the National League or the American League, especially the American League, you're going to get, you know, chipped here and there, hit here and there, you know, sticking the mouth on face offs, sticking the hands on face offs. I mean, it it happens. But. Well, has that led. Has that led to you having more of a relationship with certain players based on constantly either talking to them and breaking them up, whether, you know, hey, all right, that's enough, or uh, what are you going to do this, you know, today? Are you going to play clean, or are you going to, like, do you just, like, so you see some guys who are career AHLers, and do you just get to know them and understand their tendencies and how to handle them? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know those guys, and you build a relationship. A good referee's job is to... um, build relationships and uh what's better in, in anything like if you're if you're you know a cop or a military or you're a politician whatever it is if you're building relationships that's what you should be doing and referees do that now you know as a linesman like there's time you get out in the ice and you, see, you look behind you and you know the score or you know there's a specific guy that maybe may ran somebody earlier in the game and 
you know, before you drop the puck, you turn around and you say, are you guys going to go? And they'll go, oh, yeah. Okay, okay. I go, well, I'll say, all right, we'll wait till I drop the puck. Because if they go before you drop the puck, they get, you know, kicked out of the game and stuff like that. So we drop the puck, and then we just turn around and let them play. Like, if we know, then what, what's going on. Like, if you're, if you're into the game and you know the players are out there, you know the line changes, you, you know the score, you know the situation, you feel the building, you know that um, what's going on. So, like, when they come out, you just turn around and go, hey, what's up with you two? We go, oh, we're going to go. Or they're asking, you know, hey, I don't care. I absolutely don't care. They keep it clean, you know, knock yourselves out. Don't bother. <laughs> Literally. Do you, uh, well, do you have any uh, similar relationships with maybe some of the coaches? I know they do a lot of chirping from the bench as well. Has that ever gotten uh, rough or is it just part of the game and you're used to it? Or are they more focused on some of the you know, the officials calling penalties? Or what's it like with some of the coaches? Um, coaches are awesome. They – there are some that, that that are nationally guys that that just stay on you like baseball like baseball guys from the dugout. There's guys that just don't stop. Uh, doesn't it like doesn't get like that in the National League, but in the American League, there's some guys, and I am very good friends with uh, probably one of the roughest guys on us, and I'll name his name, Bob Hartley. Uh, he's my kids call him Uncle Bob. I love I love Bob Hartley. Um, you know, wins the Stanley Cup. You know, in, in Colorado, goes to Calgary, turns that around, and then you know gets let go because they have a new GM, and he's been over in Europe. Uh, he just ran a hockey camp in York, PA, last week. Um, he used to be Hershey Bears coach, and. Oh, my God, we had battles. Let me tell you something. And he was a pain in the butt, but he was one hell of a coach. And uh, I think um, – I don't know why he's not in the National League. I don't know. You hear different stories. of He might be a little rough on the veterans, but I don't know. I really don't know. Um, in my mind, he should be. I think he's fantastic. Uh and he was he was rough on us. I mean, he was absolutely rough. I mean, uh, Mike Keenan was really he was a little bit rough on us. <laughs> uh, uh, and, and there's so many guys that are good. And, and funny story is, I play tennis down here all the time, and um, everybody knows you know I came from you know hockey background and stuff like that, and then. You know, some guy says, oh, yeah, my brother you know, has you know background. I used to do some hockey, too. And I go, and his name was Crawford. I go, is your brother Mark? So, yeah. I go, oh, my God. I go, Man, we go way back. So here I'm playing tennis with Mark Crawford's brother, and I know Mark Crawford before I know his brother. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, now Mark's still Ottawa's assistant head coach as of today, I guess. <laughs> well, um, I, I have to ask because, um, you know, Maybe earlier in your career, did you ever, did coaches ever get on you so much that, especially early in your career, did it like possibly start to affect your decision making at all? Did you ever lean, start to lean one way because one guy was just ragging on you too much, make you second guess yourself? No, no, I, that never, I'm not built that way. Um, 
I don't, I may battle maybe sometimes a little too much as a linesman. Like I probably one of the faults that I had probably was I would maybe not take it enough instead of sucking it up. You know, I'm, I'm just built to kind of battle back a little bit and, no, probably wasn't the best trait as a linesman because really good linesmen just kind of do their job. And if there's really most good rep, most coaches are very respectful and very. But you you would get some new guys in the American League that would uh, stuff they could get away with in the other leagues like the Coast and all the other minor leagues or college or whatever. They would come here thinking they're going to get away with that, and uh, you would shut them down right away. Yeah, you say, yeah, I don't know where you've come from, I don't know what you're doing, but you don't do that here. And uh, and I've you know, and I've seen uh, National League guys do that to, to coaches that came from the American League. And I've I've watched them like right away, real quick, give them no they let them know who is in charge of the game. And they they know that coach's history when he came from the American League and they know when he's comes up here and he sparks at them. I can tell you, I've heard him say you can you can't get away with that here, and they'll they'll let them know right away. The National League referees, you know, from top to bottom, you know, you have your best in quote, you have your worst, I guess, if you want to word it that way. They're robots. They're all that good. There's <laughs> not much difference between one and the other, <laughs> you know, except when you get to the top ten. And uh, but they are that good. Their mentality. The way they treat the coaches, the way they are. It's so, yeah, they're quite a special group. Okay. Well, another question I have to ask is because it just comes with the job, and I'm sure you all have iron skin, but when has there ever been a game, whether it was you or a colleague of yours, who was just the crowd is just killing them for a bad call, and it's just so much uh, how do you guys handle that? Like when you're leaving the arena, has anybody ever been like passing them in a parking lot, ever giving you a hard time? Or how do you guys deal with all that booing and what have you for whatever reason? Um, oh, yeah. There's people that would get in your face back in the day. God, uh, yeah, they would, they would believe me. But, you know, as soon as you stop and turn around, you realize that, you know, we're pretty tough guys. <laughs> and you know, they, they're behind a rope and then all of a sudden if you stop and look back they're, they're, they shut up pretty fast um, <laughs> or, uh, there are there were times there was like one referee who's a very good referee that showed up a little late for American League game and he was early he was young in his career and he went out in the ice, and he was horse crap. I want to say horse shit, but I really won't. You, you could say you could say horse shit. <laughs> he, went, he, was right. horse, he was horse shit the whole first period, and um, he he just took it out in the ice. And, and and I remember getting a locker room and saying, "Listen, you know these fans and these players, they weren't here late. Don't take it out there. You can't do that here. You can't you get you know get your ass in the game." And and I'm just a linesman telling them, but like if he wants to stay. And become, you know, if he wants to make a career out of it, he can't take that attitude on the ice. And um, the real good ones don't, and the ones that do, they don't referee. And there are times when we're, you know, we are not perfect. They are not perfect. Where they've had bad games, or they're in situations. I mean, look at the playoffs last year. You had two of the best referees in hockey get cut from the finals because of a because because of a hand pass. 
Now, if four guys were on the ice and nobody sees that hand pass, and the league just says, all right, well, somebody has to see it, and basically cuts them from moving up to the finals. And um, people, you know, we're human, have, have bad games, we, or we're in situations where it's like one of those nights where everything happens where, like, as a linesman, you know, like, there's offsides or somebody's cutting right, right in front of you, you know, or, you, you know, Back then, you miss it. Back then, we had two line passes, which were uh, you know, sometimes tough to catch because we had a three man system, not a four man system. Like so, it was a little bit harder then. And uh, some days you're not on your game, or for whatever reason. And yeah, you hear it. Um, I don't get in the booing and stuff like that. Is fine with me. I didn't care. If somebody gets specific and one particular person is, you see, like maybe throwing stuff, um, I'll give you one instance that was the best payback for me. There's this one guy in Hershey that was sitting on the blue line in the whole game for whatever reason. This guy was just banging on the glass, giving me the finger, doing this, doing that, and just out of control. And I don't even know why. Right. So I see, you know, on the little ledge, he sits his beer. OK, or, or, or right there in the ledge. So I drop the face off. I come back and I bang it my butt against the, the boards. That beer went all over. Whoops. <laughs> uh, I just turned and I just go like, oh, I didn't know it. You know, sorry. You know, like, <laughs> but I can't say that uh, back then the boards were. A little different than they are today, but um, yeah, when you get in big buildings, there's there, it's almost like you can't find a, a specific person that that gets on your nerves. And if everybody's going, I don't, I really don't care, and I don't think they care either. It just doesn't, it just doesn't affect us. Fair enough, fair enough. Um, I guess I'd have to ask you at this point, um, what do you think about the different, not so much rule changes today, but some of the the coaches' challenges in the reviews, especially as a linesman, because a lot of the coaches' challenges have been coming with offsides. Like, are you for that? Are you against? Do you like the human element of the game, or are you for them using as much technology as possible? Um, oh, I love the human element. I'm a linesman, and I'll always have that mentality uh i don't like this i don't if they keep it the way it is and they give them that one one opportunity i think that's fair um just as long as it doesn't slow up the game anymore like i don't you know they already give you know three tv commercials during a period and then if you had some offsides and then if you get a challenge then you get a goal review it really can slow up the game and I don't think that promotes the game great on TV. And the whole idea is to make money. And hockey's hard enough to get ratings anyway in the States, TV-wise. Um, so, you know, I don't, want a, I don't want a lot more stoppages, you know. So, uh, you know, I'm not oh, totally against it, but it doesn't bother me in any way. The goal review, I think, I think they should review. I think... Um, the whole idea is to get it, the job done right, and especially when it comes to goals. They're so hard to get, and it's like a touchdown in football or you know, a call at baseball. If it's an important part of the game, 
Yeah, go for it. I think it's the right thing to do. Because like I said, we are human. We're going to make mistakes, and I have no problem fixing it. I agree with you across the board on that one, especially when it comes to the offsides. Um, now, you did mention that you spent some time uh, off the ice. Uh, what exactly, like you were in the building, uh, what exactly were you doing uh, off the ice? Were you scorekeeping? Were you doing some kind of officiating? And of the two, which did you like better? Um, as a commercial coordinator, so you know that red light that comes on? Yeah. Yeah, that's me. Um, so <laughs> I actually get to watch, uh, you know, NHL hockey games from the penalty box and get paid for it. So, yeah, that was a great gig. And it was pretty funny how that happened. I, I, I was in the American League refereeing, and I thought it was a joke. I got a letter from Gary Batman, right? And it said, you know, this commercial coordinator job, and there's two tickets to Toronto for a meeting and all this stuff. And I, I thought the whole thing was a setup. Because a, lot, a couple of the American League guys, uh, Mike Condon, who was one who's, who passed away years ago, he was a jokester. He would always be up to jokes and that kind of thing. And I said, man, Mike, you really outdid yourself with this. So I like <laughs> called him up. I called him up and said, Mike, you know, it's a good joke. You know, you had me going. He goes, I, I have no idea what you're talking about. So I'm looking at this. I'm thinking, you know, it looks pretty professional. I'm thinking, what the hell? So I make a few phone calls, and you know, next thing you know, I'm in Toronto, and uh, you know, our, I, it was actually at the Hall of Fame, and that's where you know they introduced me, and it was a new position that you know the league was going to put one guy in every you know arena, and uh, you know to run commercials and, and hold up the game and make sure TV got their money's worth of what they paid for, kind of a thing, and. You know, they had re TV review and things like that. Uh, it was really interesting um, to get in from the ground level because nobody else did it. It was very interesting because we worked for the NHL. We didn't work for, the, we'll say, the Flyers or the Devils or the Rangers, where all the other off-ice team back then did. So there, I wasn't very... Uh, widely accepted from the the boss that was the off ice chief back then of the Flyers. He had no, we'll say, control over me. <laughs> so, and we definitely had issues. I mean, it was we had some arguments, we had some stuff, and you know, here's here's it's interesting. Here's a good story with this job. Nobody really even knew that much about this position. Even the league owners knew about it, but they didn't know exactly what it entailed. So I remember one time in Philadelphia where the uh, Flyers finally got some momentum. It was a game they were struggling. They you know, put some you know, big guys out there, got some fights, scored a goal, da-da-da. You know, they got momentum, and then I turn on the light for a commercial. <laughs> Phone rings. It's Lou Nolan. It, you know, the, the, Lou Nolan picks up this guy's phones for you. Pick it up, and here it is. It's um, Ed Schneider. Oh, Tell me, turn that goddamn light off. And I'm like, uh, I really can't. It's not my job. I'm sorry, Mr. Schneider. I can't do that. Thank you. And I hang up the phone. <laughs> oh, oh, that's interesting. So in between periods, I used to you know cut across the ice, you know, and you know 
go to the boys' room or go whatever, you know. And there was a uh, back then a I don't think he was GM. I forget what he was. Um, Ron Ryan. Uh, he pretty much waited for me in the Zamboni area, and kind of like you don't know who we are kind of an attitude and gave me like got in my face and I had no idea who he, who, who he was. And I'm like, you know, dude, you, you're going to get dropped if you don't get out of here. You know, like, like, <laughs> and here it is. I find out it's like Ron, you know, all these flyers executives. I'm like, oh, and, and believe me, I, there's no hero more in my life than, than Mr. Snyder. There's, there is no person that has affected me more in my life than, than Ed Snyder but like it was interesting how that all went down um, it and it's funny we had a media game we're playing hockey at the Spectrum and uh, I remember being on the ice playing with the media and Ron Ryan was on the ice and a couple of G, uh, what's his face the GM of the Rangers back then uh, Neil Smith is it yeah anyway I remember Ron Ryan you know, it's a fun pickup game I remember Ron Ryan was running me in a corner, <laughs> like we're not hitting. All of a sudden, I see this guy coming. I stop, and it's him. I go, and I realize that guy never forgot. That guy never forgot that one one confrontation we had. You know, it was it was funny. So he was coming for you in the corner <laughs> on a pickup yeah. game. Wow. Yeah, that's too good, man. Would have got me out of the league quick because I probably would have knocked him out. <laughs> <laughs> so, which so would you say you uh, enjoyed that job better? I mean, you did have a front row seat to NHL games, but you weren't a part of the action. So I could see there being a little, if you had to do it again, which one would you like better? Oh, I would rather be on the ice just because I'm, um, I always consider myself an athlete. I've always been that, that mentality. Uh, always try to get to the top of your game or, you know, whatever it is. Like, I, and I think that there, I always felt like I could do better, do better, do better, get, get, get like, yeah. Commercial coordinator was awesome because, you know, you got there, you had great guys, you're around the hockey players, you know, before the game, you can talk to some of your old friends and you get, you're, you have time to spend at the, in the building with all your buddies where when you're referee, you show up and you're, you, I can't say you're secluded, but you try to, you know, you don't want to be hanging in the locker room with the guys, you know what I mean? Obviously for, for reasons. Um, so, you know, when you're, when you're down there 40 games a year, you know, you're chumming it up with all your buddies. You have all these relationships. I mean, it's fun. I, I, but um, I have this mentality that, you know, I want to be on the ice in the middle of all that. I want to be in the middle of that fight or the middle of that playoff game. I want to be in that game where it's, you know, 0-0 zero, zero and we're in overtime. Like, that's the kind of stuff that I strive to be. Um, like, like, recently, I took up tennis like four years ago, and I'm – I made it to the state final here already. Like I have that mentality where I um, just want to be in the middle of it. I want to be under the pressure. I, I like, like if there's something big happened, everybody says, oh, the pressure's on. I was always better in the pressure situations. It's the way I am. Nice. Um, well, I'll ask you guys had to stay in uh, pretty peak condition, at least to keep yeah. up with the players and get where to where you needed to be on the ice. And a lot of, you know, regular people can't even skate. So did you ever uh, get any injuries, whether it be a groin pull or anything silly like that, just from just trying to keep up with the action or maybe take a bump from a player that didn't know you were there, anything like that? Um, 
You know what's funny is, I'm I'm a freak. No, uh, I had I've had I had broken rib, broken ribs, and that's it. Um, you know, bangs, bumps, bruises. You know, here and there, cuts. You know, you get stitches all over your hands or your, you know, your face or whatever it is. But like, no, nothing. And no, I'm pretty. I, I broke my ankle when I was like lit, like just learning to do hockey. I was on street hockey and I smashed it against a curb and broke it. And I actually continued to play after I had a cast. I kept wearing through the casts playing hockey. That's how much like love I had for the game back then. And that, but no, nothing, nothing major ever. So really, just the Neil Neil Little incident. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a couple. Yeah, <laughs> you get cuts from. Yeah, then you got got to slit your throat the way he flipped over with his. Well, they're his blades are dull because he's a goalie, not um, like a player's. But yeah, it's yeah, like I said, little cuts and things like that. But no, yeah, no like breaks, pulls. I had never had anything, never, and to this day, I'm still good. Nice. Never got Oh God, Ally afraid he split my shin shin pad in half with a slap shot. Entering the zone, now, you know, it's funny, if you watch a linesman, you, you face play, right? So it's coming at you, you're coming to your line, and what you do is you stay off the board so those guys can wrap it around. Like, you don't want to get up against the boards because that's where they're going to shoot the damn buck. So you give them space. They, the better ones know it. And for whatever reason, I don't know if he was pressured or what, he let one go, and he hit me square in the shin, and my shin pad split right in half. With Ally Frady, if you remember his shot, he was he had an over 100 mile an hour slap shot back in the day, and this is before. That's with a wood stick. <laughs> so he just think about that. <laughs> yeah, I've had some. Yeah, you get guys dumping in the zone as a linesman, you're going to get hit. Well, I uh, through some of the questions I've asked you, I've basically got a couple of good stories out of you. Are there, a, are there any other ones I wasn't able to get out of you? Anything you can think of, whether it be um, some kind of play or fight or interaction with a coach or player? No, not necessarily. I mean, there's so many. Um, mostly just good, uh, good relationships and uh, – Everything like off the ice with the guys is good. You know, just no, nothing. I'm sure I'll think of as soon as we get done this. I'm sure I'll think of a million things. Naturally, um, hey, you could just call us back and we could just do it again, Scott. <laughs> there's guys out there that um, that helped me along the way. Jimmy Doyle, who's his. You guys know Jimmy Doyle. He's right in South Jersey, there, right where you guys are at. He's not yet. Yeah, I'll, I, I'll. Uh, he right now he's in charge of USA Hockey in I think the Atlantic District. He supervises a lot of referees. He was an NHL signee. Uh, he is by far the most knowledgeable guy in around him when it comes to refereeing. Now, I, you know, he still works for the league. He, he, he's the guy who works up in the review with the, with the goal review with Flyers. And, mm. 
even if it goes to Toronto, he, he's up he's up top. You see him all the time. Um, but he still works for the league, so I don't think you'll. He probably wouldn't be allowed to do too, too much talking to you. I would think he would be very limited in his responses. We'll say. We'll still probably give it a shot and see what happens. Yeah, I can talk to him. <laughs> yeah, you never know. He's he's good, man. Scott, I have a before we wrap up. I got a couple of random questions that came up uh, while while Jack was talking to you there. Um, you mentioned the St. Louis and the Sharks with the uh, the hand goal. Uh, yeah. Do you remember the penalty or the power play that San Jose San Jose received against the Golden Knights? I think it was a five minute major and a game misconduct for uh, what was kind of a controversial hit. Yeah. It looked maybe yep. like it was more of a two minute penalty. From my perspective, I mean, you're you're the professional. What were your thoughts on that? I mean, a five minute major, and I think it was the third period of the game. Where the uh, the shorts, I, I think they ended up scoring four times to end up winning the game. What are your thoughts on that? Um, from my perspective, it looked like when Pavelski hit the ice was where you know most of the damage happened. The the hit yeah. itself, I think it was mostly a, a, a high cross check, but to me it looked like uh, yeah, I, I think it was more in the lines of not a major, but. The, if I remember correctly, I mean, he did hit his heads where he got the damage, but why did he hit his head, right? Mm -hmm. Was there, if I remember correctly, wasn't it like the hit that actually... Yeah, it was right off the face-off. I can't remember the player exactly. I want to say maybe Cody Eakin. Uh, I think he went for, I don't know if he meant to hit him in the face. Maybe his stick kind of ricocheted. I ended up hitting him in the face, and he fell backwards and, and hit his face on the ice or something like that. Yeah. That's a tough call there. I mean, it's, especially in that situation. But I I actually vaguely remember it. I, I remember Pravelski hitting his head, but and I remember it being right on that line of should we or shouldn't we. But when you see one of the – I guess you, you always – when you see one of the better guys in the league – bleeding that bad and maybe you didn't get a great look at it you, you almost you kind of go with like what i miss and why is he bleeding so bad kind of a thing you know right oh yeah a hundred percent so let me ask and i don't mean to put you on the spot here let's let's say oh. if it's uh maybe a third or a fourth line guy i don't want to throw any names out just uh i don't want to disrespect anybody there but do you, what what's the thought then you know is it is your train of thought a little different there, or nobody saw it? Let's give it a two, or kind of thing. I I, I know where you're going with this, and I think that can happen because, like, subconsciously, you're thinking, all right, all right, like if this is Todd Fedork or or is this um, right. Simone Gagne, like a soft player as to a hard player, like a softer player. I'm not saying soft, but no, a softer. I, I guess you could take that into like the human aspect of it, but no, I mean, if the guy gets. If the, if the penalty's there, the penalty's there. That's what we get paid to do, and you just call the damn penalty, and then that's it. And it, everything else will fall in place. If you start to pick and choose who you think is, you know, oh, he's not a, he's not necessarily a tough guy, so I'm going to call it. Oh, he is a tough guy laying on the ice, so I'm not going to call it. Man, you're in deep shit then. Yeah, that, that, that leaves a lot of room for error there. And then you've got, you got to be consistent in your calls, and that's – these guys are that good. Mm-hmm. So, 
I got a question for you, Scott. Yep. So, like you were just saying, you said, you know, like you didn't see it. So you you question yourself, like, okay, what did I miss? Right. So, there were a time where you did miss a call, but you like you look up, watch the scoreboard, and go, shit, I missed one. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And a lot of times you'll go to the guys doing commercials and stuff like that, and say, hey, did you see that? You get a good look at it. And believe me, if there's an offside that's ridiculously offsides. And you wave it good, and the other guy sees it. They'll blow it down, but it, it, but you're kind of. I'm not saying you're showing up the other linesman, because there's always situations where you just can't see. You know what I mean? And but there are times. Where, oh yeah, I miss calls that. Then you look at the replay, and you're like, oh god, <laughs> like you're you're there, man. But yeah, there's a few things that really. You would love to have back. I remember a uh, not a. I remember the fly the Phantoms pulled the goalie. Bill Barber was coach, and uh, they were. I forget what they were doing. They were anyway. It ended up ricocheting off of my skate and into the Phantoms net from the blue line. From the blue line. Like, that's how far it is deflected in on an open net. And uh, I just looked at Bill Barber, and I said, I don't know what to tell you, man. You know? And uh, he just looked at me and just kind of laughed it off. But, um, yeah, no, I, we, I, there's not a referee out there that hasn't missed a call. And if one tells you he's perfect, they're lying to you. And it's just a matter of being consistent and learning what your standards are. In other words, you create a standard in a hockey game early. So if you want to go out and you're going to call, you know, like, put this way, as I was a referee before I was a linesman, I was a referee doing junior games and stuff like that. I remember making it to the, um, to the final of USA hockey. Back then it was not USA hockey. It was, something else, a house or something. And I got to the final game. And I remember being the uh, Cleveland Barons and the St. Louis junior blues. And, you know, I talked to the coaches before the game and I said, listen guys, I says, you know what? I like a good hockey game. I says, you guys can go at it and I'm going to let you guys go at it. But as soon as you guys run a goalie, I'm going to call it. As soon as you guys touch a goalie, I'm going to call it. As soon as you guys get high, any headshots, I'm going to call it. Other than that, have fun. So we go out, and the game's rock and sock them, and they're hitting each other, running around, and I'm having the greatest time on the ice, and I don't hear one word from the coaches. I don't hear any word from the players. It's just, But I go in the locker room, and a, uh, a supervisor actually came in the locker room between periods. That's one thing they don't do. They come in after games. They don't come in before periods. And he goes, what are you doing? Like, what are you talking about? And he goes, well, we have a standard at, US, you know, at USA Hockey of how we want a game call, and this isn't it. I said, why am I here? How did I get here? You guys picked me because this is how I call hockey. This is how I call this game. And that specific supervisor said, you know, and he wasn't like a local guy. He was a national guy. He just thought it was like horseshit. Like, like he didn't want to see this kind of. So the game ended close. And I told him, you know, hey, you know, you don't like the way I do, do games. It's the way it is. But you can't. In, in, in the NHL, there's a standard that you have to perform every night. And um, you can't change that standard. Like, you know coming into a game, like, 
if there's a trip that's in the beginning and you call it, you want to set that standard for the whole game. You really do. And these guys generally do that. And uh, that's the one thing that um, that I'm pretty proud of, even, like myself will say, but even than that, when I watch when I watch 25 years of hockey at any level, especially in the professional level, is the standard these guys set. The league tells them this is what we want to call, and they go out and do it. They don't wing it themselves like, oh, yeah, this is me. This is how I call a game. Um, so that that's that's how sure. yeah that that's how they do it and that was hard for me because like if, if you listen to what I was saying was like I kind of got to a certain level because I kind of had my own standard in my mind not necessarily what USA Hockey wanted but that's how I did it and I think it's held me back in a lot of ways because I'm kind of a free spirit kind of a no filter kind of a guy so but the, these guys in National Hockey League these they're all they're ridiculously good. I mean, they're robots, linesmen. Like, Derek, so, Derek Amell is just a freak. So good. So are you saying, uh, like, I don't know, your opinion on how soft maybe the NHL is getting? I mean, because they really don't let well the players play as much as they used to. That's a league thing. That comes down from the top. That's from the top, yeah. You see, um... It's about TV. It's about ratings. It's about money generated. And, you know, it's as much as a true hockey fan likes a good fight, like I do, um, it wasn't good for ratings. And people don't understand it. And when, to this day, I still have people say, well, why do they fight? And I'm like, oh, God. You know, and I said, well, there's many reasons, but it's all pretty respectful and people don't get it. But well, they, you say it's it's not it's because of ratings. But I mean, mm -hmm. You look on YouTube, you can have the best goal in the world, but I can guarantee that Calgary-Vancouver line brawl from a couple of years ago yeah. has way more views. <laughs> yeah, but I think, see, the problem is you want it, in TV, they want the games over in two and a half hours. Like, they, they don't want a four-hour hockey game. They don't want a three-hour hockey game, even though it could be, uh, you know, entertaining, but they have other programs they have to get on. So... Like now, when things are more specific, we'll say, like now you have the NHL network and stuff like that. Back then, you had, you know, Peter Puck, right? You had, you know, the NBC game of the week or something like that. They had a time slot of two and a half hours or three hours. Like they just didn't want to see a fight, a fight, a fight, a fight, a fight. Even though it was fun to watch, but like the length of the games were, were ridiculous. So, um, fight, you'll never see fighting again. That's gone. Uh, you, you don't even see teams with a fighter because of salary caps. Like, you can't have a fourth-line guy say, oh, yeah, here's my – you have to have guys that are tough, but they have to be skilled. Back then, you remember you had guys that could just – you know, the Donald Brashears of the world, you know, where their skill levels were marginal, we'll say. Um those days are done. You, you got to have the, you know, the guys that are, you know, tough guys. But like a guy like even Gudis, I mean, nice physical defenseman and all that stuff. But like he was your fighter on your team, right? I mean, did the Flyers have a fighter last year? I don't even. No. Right, right. I mean, who does? Right. Think about it. Those days are done. You just can't afford to keep a fighter on your team. It's about skill. 
and uh, speed. That's the way they want it. There's no more clutch and grab Eric Lindros hockey. Uh, I hated that era of hockey. I couldn't stand it. I, I, like I never, I wasn't a fan of that down low, cycle low, grab, hold, push. That like it, it I drove me nuts. Even though you know some people did, I I didn't like it. No, I wasn't a. I, I mean, that's when I really first got into hockey. Was watching Eric Lindros and everything, and you know, after the lockout, it was like you're watching a completely different game, man. Like all all that stuff's gone. It's all speed, skill, yeah. and and it was really interesting. I mean, we started paying it. We started up our podcast, I think, what about a year ago, Jack? A little over a year ago now, in April. Yeah, a little over a year. And, and we were tracking the uh, rate at which fights were being reduced every single year, and 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 now it's like it's it's rare that you see a fight. I mean, growing up, there was a at least a, at least a fight every game, if not two or three. You know. Well, that's what I get. You know, it's funny as I get tired of hearing, and nothing against, no disrespect to you guys show my age difference, but I get high tired of hearing of, oh, we need broad street bullies kind of hockey. If you're like, we'll say Philadelphia, for example, like, like, yeah, be kidding me. I go like those days are so far gone. It's about speed, skill and hit like hitting. Like you can't, you, you can't run guys anymore. You can't get even anymore. Those kind of things. It, it, those days are just done. Um, there's fines to pay. There's, Two points are so important anymore. How close the league is, it's just a different league. It's a different world, and, and those old fighting days are just done. I mean, the only time you see a fight if somebody like really is is when somebody runs a goalie or something like that. You know that that's that's when it's kind of like it's almost okay to fight and we'll let you go because you did it. But um, you know you don't even see center ice hits anymore. They don't want this Scott Stevens. You know, cutting across the middle, blindside somebody, and let's face it, I think that was, I think that kind of hockey was cheap as shit. I was going to say, man, you, you had know, to bring up guy, Stevens, didn't you? Yeah, <laughs> no, but guys are cutting across the ice, and yeah. I was, I was not an Eric Lindros fan. I could care less. But when you're cutting wow. across, he did it not just to him, to a lot of people. And but I'm not saying him that kind of hit. Right. It, it doesn't matter if it's Scott Stevens or if it, whoever it is. But if you are not looking and you're going to get, you know, a hit to the head, let's face it, you know, you're putting some, the way these, the speed is of these guys these days, you can't, these guys are twice as fast as those guys back then. Can you imagine them blindsiding you across the middle? You'd murder somebody. Yeah, you, you could literally kill somebody. So I, I'm all for cleaning it up and as long as these guys know, and they do. I was going to ask you, so you, you I mean, I don't. Do you enjoy the league more now, or the way it was a couple years ago? No, I like it more physical. Mm-hmm. Um, but I like it now. I, 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 I. Funny thing is, though, since I um, retired from it all, um, you know, a couple of years now, two years now. Last year, I don't think I watched a full hockey game during the regular season at all. Wow. That's but, the playoffs, but the playoffs, I didn't miss a game. I live for it. It's a different, it's different. It's just, you know, it's just, you know, you, I come home here and, uh, and she's like, oh, hockey tonight? I said, oh, playoff season. And like, <laughs> like it or not, so here we are, you know? It's, and I, I love it. And I 
critique it and watch it and let's, you know, what would I do? And people ask me, what are you looking at now? And people are looking over there. Like, I'm looking, why is this linesman here? And why is this guy here? And, you know, how come he's not against the boards? And how come his view is blocked? Why is he there? Like, like I, you know, in my mind, I critique the guys that are on the ice. And believe me, they're a hell of a lot better than I ever was. But, you know, sitting from here and home on TV, you get a nice, nice look of, um, where, uh, you know, where, where everybody is. And, uh, that's really that's interesting. I, yeah. When I say the robots, the robots, <laughs> they, they, they are that good. Cause they all are, they, they, they know what the hell they, they know where to be. That's for sure. They're, they're good until they get to Philly. I feel like, <laughs> no, <that's no> <laughs> <shit>. <laughs> I gotta ask you real quick, Scott, you weren't an Eric Lindros fan. How's that possible? Did you like the flyers? Uh, Flyers, I guess, were my favorite team because, like, my mom would take me down to games when I was little and stuff like that. But I was a hockey fan. I can't say I always had the favorite team. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think Bobby Clark was one of the best leaders of any professional sports team ever. I mean, I think he was uh, just an unbelievable leader. Um, Why is that? Because, I mean, we didn't get to watch Bobby Clark. I mean, obviously, we hear about him. We see we see the highlights every single day. Why Why was he an exceptional leader? What What did he do to stick out to you? Because I think he was a guy that had limited skills. And he literally would put a team in his back and then will them to a Stanley Cup. I mean, he, I mean, he was a great face-off guy. And I think he had skill, but like, I don't know. He wasn't a great skater. I don't think he was a great shooter. I don't think he was a great at anything. He's a good face-off guy, but look how, look what he did. And uh, he played through injuries and play. He was just old school and just um, one of my favorite guys. But I tell you what, weird thing. One of my favorite flyers ever. Uh, it's kind of weird. Everybody says what? I say Keith Primo. Huh. And people go, why? Why is that? And I said, and I would always say because he played the game the way I'd want to play the game. You want you want to fight him? He'll fight you. You want to play with skill? He'll beat your skill. You want to, you know, he was he was a I think a good leader, a grinder, but but he also would be uh, he would play the other game, like he had all that. And I think I, I loved watching him play and uh, and super sweet guy. Like you know, you know, like when I say sweet, like nice off the ice, just just the, ult- the ultimate professional, you know, and one of those guys that for whatever reason stuck out in my mind, and like I'm probably in the minority. I just thought he was, uh, you know, uh, I guess with all the pressure of Lindros years and stuff like that, everybody thought he was like an Eric Lindros, which he wasn't, you know. Yeah, um, it's, I could see how he kind of he does kind of get lost in. I mean, they, they've had so many great guys coming up through the years. I mean, for me, I think Arecki, obviously Lindros, Leclerc, Ranberg. I mean, Primo. I, I got to be honest, he's not he, he he wouldn't even come up in my top five, maybe top ten. I'm not sure. For me, oh I, no, believe me. I, I like I said, I'm in the minority of that. Like I think he doesn't even come in the top twenty of people. But I, for whatever reason, I like that his all around game because back then you could fight he'd fight he'd fight you clean you know he um he he he'd be his skill wise he would pay the price in front of the net he would he would just do everything the way i would want to play hockey 
was like that. So um, I will say this real quick on Keith Primo. I find myself constantly defending that Brindamore trade because I love Primo, and he also scored one of the greatest overtime goals yeah. for the Flyers in history. So I was a huge yeah. Primo fan. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and I like I love Brindamore too. Believe me, he's one of the guys I love. But um, Primo. Um, it's just one of those guys that, that stood out, and uh, you know all the drama with with Lindros and all that stuff with his parents and all that stuff. It just took away from going down there in the building when you're working. It just was just a different atmosphere. That's interesting. Yeah, it wasn't the best years of. Um, so there was some tension. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think I think when he was in the building, I just think there was. So much put on him that every time he didn't do something, you could feel the grumblings in the building, and every time he did it, it never seemed like it was good enough. Yeah, that's a good point because we were we were kids at the time, so Lindros was just a hero. But what what I will say is, the first time I ever heard about contracts with players was yes. with Lindros and his father, like from my dad saying, oh, they're having an issue here or seeing just a little something on the news because things weren't covered the way they are today, especially with contracts. But the first I ever heard anything about it was completely centered around Lindros. Yeah. Yeah, and I think um, you never heard, like you, like you said, like people talk about hockey, like – you never heard about contracts, you know, like and all of a sudden all that changed the way you look at things, the way you look at the building, the way you look at him. So, yeah, but, you know, it's welcome to the big time, I guess. You know, that's the way all the other leagues were. And, uh, yeah, I'm not a big fan, I can tell you that. Hmm. Uh, but, you know, he, I'll tell you what, since he's come back and um, he's a lot more humble, we'll say. He seems it for sure, especially when he came back for his uh, Flyers Hall of Fame induction and his own Hockey Hall of Fame induction. He just seems to be happy to be around the game again and the city of Philadelphia. Yeah, yeah, because I did that alumni game. That was the last time I was on the ice, actually. I, ref- you know, I was linesman. And, uh, yeah, and he was you know, just a different person. Wow. Well. I see it, yeah. I see it in interviews, I hear it, and I actually, I don't remember when that game was, but I do know he came back for a game, and Paul Holgram actually asked him if he was considering, if he'd consider coming back to play for a Flyers playoff run. I think he was like 44 years old or something at the time. Yeah, it, w- it wouldn't surprise me. Like, yeah. <laughs> it was in 2017. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. But yeah, he has too many uh, health issues, you know, he... he, he Yes. Oh yeah, it was probably before that. Then now yeah, seventeen, that was too soon. Yeah, this is probably back in like two thousand thirteen or something like that. Yeah. But still, all those concussions and all that stuff. He, yeah, he, he's he's uh, not the healthiest guy in the world. That's for sure. Like like Carcillo right now. Yeah, he's doing a lot of a lot of big things since he's since he's retired. Have you have you um have you read anything about that? Have you seen anything about what he's doing? Carcillo. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been following that. You know, he's he's really he's doing the right thing. You know, we'll see see how he turns out. I don't know. It's yeah. a tough one. All those guys with those kind of head injuries. I'm like, you know, like luckily, like uh, you know, Riley Cote and you know all those guys didn't you know take a beating like like Danny did. That's for sure. <laughs> I, I got something funny for you, Scott. So we had Cote on, and and 
if you ha- if you don't know by now, he he started his own uh, hemp business. It's uh, hemp- I know I know know about it well. Okay, um, and then we have a guy. So he's trying to help people recover after they're done playing, or even while they're playing. And then we have a guy like Frank Bialellos on last week, and he's like concussions. What the hell's a concussion? Just just the contrast, the difference between both both guys was was pretty crazy. We had I felt like we had one extreme to the next extreme. You know? Yeah, you know. Everybody's built differently, and you got to understand that Carcillo probably saw more ice time than Frank Frank did, yeah. right? So he probably took a lot more hits than Frank did, even though Frank may have got some heavyweight punches, that's for sure. But I mean, we're talking like regular hockey, you know, grinding in the corners and you know little things like that. Uh, I think Danny probably got a lot more hits. He had a little bit long. He shared a hell of a longer career than than Frank did. Yeah. Um, and Gary, you know, Frank is just a, a, a mountain of a man like back then, just a tough, tough guy. But such as, you know, the whole career, all those hits, all that is, uh, I'm, you know, guys, certain guys is, you know, everybody's built different. And like, like, you know, Riley Cote's, you know, obviously a smart guy and he's cruising right along and Danny is hurting, you know, and there's more of guys like Danny that that are out there that he you know he wants to find and help. Yeah, I, th- I think it's amazing what he's doing what he's trying to do for others. I always I always admired people like that who who went through something, realized maybe it wasn't, you know, that they don't want anyone else to go through it and and they're trying to help other people. So I can uh, really appreciate that. Um yeah. Believe it or not, we're we're about a, an hour and 13 minutes in. We could talk to you all night about hockey, Scott. You've been a real pleasure to have on. I really appreciate you coming on. Um, before we wrap up, we actually have a, a Twitter listener that uh, submitted a question or two while we were on. If I could ask you real quick, uh, this listener wants to know why do why do the refs let linesmen break up the fights? Why do refs? Because the refs are supposed to watch to see what happens, and the linesmen are supposed to actually get in and do it. If you notice, if there's a fight that happens, the referees generally will stand a distance away, so where they can get the whole view of see it, everything that's going on where the linesmen are in there breaking up the fight. They necessarily can't see everything that's going on. You, you understand what I'm saying? Like, yep. so a, a lot referee's job is to stand back and watch and, and call the penalties and the linesman's jobs to get in there and break them up. Okay. Um, and then he has one more. Uh, he wants to hear from your perspective when, how did you feel when the league went from one ref to two? Did they do that in the AHL? Yeah, yeah, it took forever. And I, I it, once you took away the red line, back in the day we had a two-line two pass. People don't know this, I mean, that are, that are younger. But the red line, you couldn't pass it from the blue line across the red line to an offensive player. It was blown down. It was called a two-line pass. And the puck would be taken back to where the pass originated from. Um, so let's just say you, you – or so now you take away the red line, and now you can make a pass from one end of the ice basically to the other end, to the other blue line. If you have one referee, look, and he starts from that goal line, how far is he from behind play? He's, he's all the way – he can't see the goal. He, like so now – you have one guy that plays back and he just skates backwards into the zone as play comes at him. The other guy skates forward and he watches 
So yeah, I'm all for it. Yeah, it, it extended careers of guys that would never be able to make three-man system because those guys would skate their butts off. And what happens is the linesmen would basically have to take off and call the goal. So if there was a long pass and a breakaway and the referee was so far behind play, the linesman would have to take off, leave his blue line, get in and follow the goal while the other linesman would come up and watch his line while he'd be in there. It was hell. <laughs> I was going to ask. As the game got faster and guys got more skilled, you couldn't keep up. How did, and, uh, how, I mean, did you guys just kind of, you know, you kind of knew when to take off? Or did you guys have to yell to each yeah. other? How, I mean. No, you know, you, 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 you could, you know, you're, you're aware. You, you see where the pass comes from. You see it's a good play. And you look it back and you, you see the referee at the, you know, not even at the blue line. And, and you're already going in like he's a zone away from calling a goal mm -hmm. now what about the call how could he sell that if it was a close play and you're not sure if it was in let's say if the linesman didn't help let's say the linesman stayed there the guy goes in and scores a goal or not how's that referee that's all the way back at the blue line supposed to to see that or or call it nice. think about it Look up at the video uh, review. No, I'm just kidding. Think, think about all that controversy then. So, um, yeah, that's, it's, it's the best thing that's ever happened. Once they took away the blue line, it was the best thing. Wow, that's interesting because I almost thought maybe uh, you, you feel the opposite, you know, like, like, like it doesn't take two guys to do one guy's job. But that, that's interesting to hear your perspective. Oh, well, yeah, it, it has to be that way. I yeah. mean, it, yeah, it, it, with, with, if you brought back the red line, then you could you could get away with it, but uh, you know that's not going to happen. They want the game fast. They want it the way it is. Uh, the, and also, I like the perspective. It gets more guys hired in the league as referees. So <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's a good point too. Twice yeah, as many covered, jobs. Yeah, many jobs, and uh, yeah, I think it's great. Awesome. So I mean, that's all I got for you. I mean. Jack, Kyle, if you guys have any uh, last-second last questions before we uh, let Scott go for the night. I think we covered a lot of ground there, Scott. I really appreciate you having on. That was a very interesting uh, perspective of the game that we don't get a whole lot of information about, so thank you. You're welcome. Kyle, are you there still? You're yeah, live. I appreciate you coming on. All right, guys. Have a good, have a good night, all right? Thanks again, thanks Scott. Maybe we'll talk soon. Maybe have you on again in the future. No problem. It was awesome. Good talking to you, Scott. Have a good night. All right, you too. Bye-bye. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. Former AHL linesman, Scott Adams. What an awesome guy. I mean, what a, I mean, I could listen to him all night. He had some good stories, huh? Definitely. Definitely for all situations, too. Um, like I told him, like, when do you get that perspective of the game? When do you even think of that perspective of the game? Almost never. We're so, Unfortunately, we're so used to hating those guys. We don't really think about the life of a referee or a linesman. And just to see how it breaks down from his end and definitely some of the stories is uh, – it's like questions I've had in the back of my mind for a while that I never thought I'd get the answer to, at least from the source. So that was great. Yeah, that was pretty cool, I thought. I mean, I would love – dude, I really, I could have probably went on for another 45 minutes just to listen to his stories, you know. I, I mean, I was picturing what he was saying, and I felt like I was there, you know. I was watching it on TV or something. So I, I thought that was really cool to have him on. I'd definitely like to have him on again.
Kyle. I'll be honest. I was uh, I was excited when we said we were having him on simply because he officiated, and there was like a whole. We talked to former players, and we talked to ourselves about the current players, and this just opened up a part of my brain that I never really thought that deeply about. And uh, yeah, this was a really good conversation. We just kept firing questions at him. I think we went quite a while. Yeah, man. We're. I think this could be our our longest episode. Um, I was going to say something and I had to uh, burp and I forgot what I was going to say. Kyle, are you alive still? I think he got booted. I think he, uh, when uh, Scott hung up, I think Kyle got booted. So it's just you <laughs> and me. I'm time. back. Hey, let me back in. There uh, he is. Yeah, yeah. What's up, Kyle? Sorry. Yeah. What'd you think of uh, Scott Adams? Ah, he seems like a nice guy. What I'd like them to be a little more open. Maybe some name drops would have been nice. <laughs> you know, the juicy uh, stuff. I think maybe if yeah. we can get them on an, uh, another time or two, we can start pulling some teeth out there. Yeah, definitely. Because he, he wanted to. He kept stopping himself, though. We'll get him. We'll get him next Yeah, we'll time. get him. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't believe that he said he wasn't a Lindros fan. I was actually surprised by that. I was gonna I was going to rib him a little bit, but... Uh, you know, he took I could tell in your life. voice you were ready to. I'm like, oh, what? Like, you're like Lindros fan. Are you even a Flyers fan? I was like, Jimmy, take it easy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That's the only person in my life that said he wasn't an Eric Lindros fan. You know, I mean, everybody, yeah. everybody has their own thing. You know, he's a big Keith Primo guy, but I could not believe that. I mean, he had I, a different yeah. perspective of the guy, though. I mean, yeah, he, and I was just he had to deal that. with the dude one on one and like. It's a whole different ball game when you have to actually deal with the person, whether we've seen what we've seen and then we hear what we hear via rumors and whatnot. You have no idea what actually took place between the two. Yeah, it's and it's a different perspective when you're older. As little kids, as I was saying, we view him as like a god. You know, it's like this is Lindros. Like he is the Flyers. Um, but like, I, I my dad liked him always but i remember him complaining a little bit about things and it really was mostly about the contract not so much his play but then i then i found out later when he came back like you know right before scott stevens leveled him uh the team didn't even really want him back like we battled our way here we don't really need you like that's that's kind of like how it was so if you're in it like uh, kyle was saying you i can understand where that mentality came from um you know, sitting back and look at the internet now we know people's contracts the second they are signed. You know, back then you didn't know a whole lot of nothing. So, you know, if if he was coming up now, you might feel the same way about him that you do Shane Gossespierre. You know what I mean? Yeah, you know, it's a good point. Really good point. What else? You, uh, you guys got anything you want to add here? I mean, we're going on a minute and twenty. I mean, an hour and twenty-three minutes. Anything else we want to chime in on before we wrap up? Not a whole lot happened in the uh, world today. Uh is still not signed. I don't expect Provorov to be signed. Uh, I don't really think they've done a whole lot. A couple of league moves, nothing really worth talking about. Um, but, yeah, I mean, we had a nice interview here with Scott, and that's all. There's really not a whole lot going on in the world right now. What would you guys think about the uh, Lucic for Neil? I, I hated it. It was it was junk for junk. You're hoping you can get something out of Lucic in Calgary, and you're hoping you can get something out of Neil in Edmonton. A lot of people seem to like it more for Edmonton, um, thinking that Lucic's been bad for a few years, where uh, Neil just had the one bad year in a system. A lot of fast players you can't keep up with, so maybe we'll have more success. But 
I don't know. I really don't know. I, I heard it helps Edmonton more down the road as well, but who, junk for junk, man. I don't really like either player, especially nowadays. So, and, Not uh, for their price tags, that's for sure. Well, that's I definitely what hurts. I wouldn't mind having Lucic on a team for like a nice one mil, one yeah. year deal. Yeah. Yeah. Did you I see mean, the stipulation on that trade? Yeah, well, yeah. You want to say it, Jim, for the listeners, because it was ridiculous. I think it was if if James Neal scores at least twenty one goals and Lucic scores uh, like ten goals less. less. So he's yeah. got to, so he's got to score like ten or eleven goals and a, a, what is it? A fourth round pick goes to Calgary. They they get, Calgary gets a fourth or Edmonton gets a fourth. Somebody gets a fourth if Lucic has ten goals or less and Neal has like fifteen or twenty or more or something crazy like. That. That. <laughs> That's ridiculous. It was a third. I think so. Yeah. Watch it happen. Honestly, watch did it you happen. see? Uh, did you see Lucic fired some shots at uh, almost similar to what Gouda said? Oh, did he? What did he say? Yeah. It, it, this is his quote. It was important to go to a contending team, a team that was willing to play meaningful hockey on a night-to-night basis. See, what's funny is about Lucic is he the second he left uh, the Kings and signed, he was lucky to get the contract he did. So for him to say that, it's like you're part of the reason why Edmonton couldn't build a contender because you were bringing down so much cap and not giving it on the ice. So it's I under, it's definitely like what Gouda said, but when you sit back and look at the situation – yeah, it's funny coming from Lucci, considering he was part of the problem and not the solution. <laughs> How funny would it be, though, if next year Lucci puts up 30 goals and Neil doesn't do shit again? I that would be like, Ken maybe, maybe Edmonton is that much of a dumpster fire. <laughs> I mean, at this point, because I respect Ken Holland as a GM, where I did not respect Shirelli, uh, if that happens, then you might be right. Because <laughs> it'd be like, Jesus, what do they need at this point? <laughs> Even McDavid, like shit. Almost every first overall pick that goes there either dies or gets traded for junk, Taylor Hall. Um, and so far, the only good players out there are Dreisaitl and McDavid, and they can barely sniff at the playoffs. I mean, I don't know. I guess that's what they get for winning like four cups in the 80s and having Wayne Gretzky on their team and opting to trade him. Anybody know where Stolarz ended up? Uh, he signed with Anaheim. California dreaming, dude. Yeah. Yeah, behind Gibson, huh? I'm. Not, I think he might even be in the AHL. I thought Ryan Miller was still out there. Yeah, he was in. He's in the AHL. Yeah. Stoli the goalie. Oh, Ryan Miller's meh. If Milan yeah, Lucic scores thirty goals next year, next July, I'll give away a free T-shirt to everyone that follows the podcast. There you go. Oh man, that's that could get expensive. <laughs> yeah, but there ain't no way in hell he's scoring thirty goals. Listen, the last time you pinned a tweet bet, you lost it. Now you owe everybody a I still beer. haven't got my fucking beer. That's uh, because you got goddamn walking pneumonia over there. I asked you. By the way, everyone, Kyle's sick, and he's still on the podcast tonight. That's how dedicated he is. He's a true warrior. In the middle of July. It was a game-time decision, <laughs> and it did, we dressed him anyway. We needed <laughs> his grit. Yeah. <laughs> Really contributed during that interview there, Kyle. Thank you. Oh, dude, I tried, man. <laughs> I had to mute. I had to mute myself most of the time because I just kept hacking. I saw. You have it. no idea what it's like. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, here we go. The man sick. <laughs> the man cold. 
I'm, I'm dying. The man cold. <laughs> Holes of Michael up. Jordan. We're coming up on 90 <laughs> minutes, guys. I figure maybe we should wrap this one up. It's uh, almost past my bedtime. Um, I mean, if you guys haven't seen by now, we're giving away a goddamn Claude Giroux jersey for free. We Unbelievable. just got to hit 1,000 followers. So all you got to do is click a goddamn button, follow us, put yourself in the running for a Claude Giroux jersey. We're going to do more giveaways, just not every day because you guys are slacking, so it's not really that much fun. Um, yeah, we got cool things coming up, though. We want to give things away. All you got to do is click and follow. HW underscore radio underscore. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Jim underscore HW radio. Jack and Kyle, if you want to give out your handles, we'll wrap this one up. Jack underscore HW radio. Uh, Jimmy, you're crazy giving away Claude Drew jerseys. What are you thinking? And there's going to be more, but I need more followers to reveal more stuff. We need more followers, I mean. Good content here. Let's go. Hell yeah. Yeah, you guys can find me at uh, WarnerKyle29 on Twitter. Uh, We have a high and wide Facebook page if you guys want to give that a follow or a like. Since you mentioned Facebook, we also have an Instagram. We got, we're everywhere. You can find us anywhere. Yeah, there's no more excuses not being able to find us. Yeah, for God's sakes. Any any podcast yeah, platform, um, Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, blah, 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 we're on there. Just search us, High and Wide Radio. We're going to wrap this up. We'll talk to you guys next week. Hope you enjoyed Scott Adams. I know we did. Scott, thanks again for coming on, and we'll, we'll see you all next Tuesday. Peace.